Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Well, I'm going to start out with a passage found in 1 Kings 19. We haven't really jumped into the Old Testament for a while, and, and uh, Pastor Duane said, hey, uh, I'm going to have you preach July 7th, and you can preach anything you want. And it's like, oh boy, it's the entire Bible to, to pick from, so it was kind of like pressure all of a sudden, like, it's easier if he just tells me what to preach, and then I have to, to work on that. But uh, I thought this is a good word for us today. 1 Kings 19, verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. In other words, Elijah, you're dead meat. And Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba and Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. How many of you have ever felt overwhelmed and you felt that Elijah experience to where you said, Lord, I've had enough. Enough is enough. And you just reach that breaking point to say, I just can't take it any more, any longer. You know, I was sent a journal as the Assembly of God ministers, and it the name of this, of this article is from, uh, from our headquarters. The struggle is real. How to pastor emotionally wounded people. And, and it gives all the stats, and I won't list all these stats, but just on and on that confirms that we, you know, life is hard sometimes. And so here we have this stretching uh, balance of life that we're trying to balance work, and, and sometimes the demands of work are great and numerous, and then we're trying to balance family and trying to, you know, some of you are raising little ones, and there's, there's all those challenges of trying to balance all that, and somehow to have five minutes in between all that, to have some kind of personal pursuit, and, you know, there's just this stretch of life, and then comes along these extenuating circumstances that, things that just hit us and stretch us, and and it brings us to the point to where we are like Elijah, where we say, Lord, I've had enough, And, and I can share that I've had those breaking moments, and I had one not too long ago with, you know, with Melora's diagnosis with CLL, leukemia, and, and, and just the stretch of that and the, the stretch of demands. And I came to a breaking point where I said, Lord, I can't do this. This is too much for me. And it's often good when we get to that point because what does the Lord say? 
It's about time you realize that. It's about time that, that you turn to me for strength. And so we're going to look at this story and take it apart. And I think you're going to find some things that are going to help us in this struggle. If you haven't ever reached that point of breaking, just hang on. You will. <laughs> so just a word of encouragement there. A little background on this story. Elijah was a Tishbite, very rugged people, lived uh, predominantly on the, uh, the, the east side of the Jordan, the desert, very rugged people. And he was a man of no compromise. In fact, Elijah had gone in and had this face-to-face confrontation with Ahab and Jezebel and had declared a, a famine and because of the sin of Israel, because of their backsliding. And, and so then he has this showdown on Mount Carmel. And, and there he confronts the people. He says, how long are you going to stand between two decisions? If God is God, serve him. If, if Baal is Baal, serve Baal. But don't, you know, I thought, wow, what an apropos message for today. How fitting of, you know, our culture. It's like, well, you know, there's no such thing as truth. It's whatever's true to you. And, and, and we kind of stand between two opinions and we won't make a stand. So Elijah challenges these 450 prophets of Baal on top of that mountain. He said, okay, you call upon your God. I'll give you all day long. We'll, we'll take two bowls, put them on the altar. You call down fire from your God, Baal. And so they went after it. And it says until noon, and then they were kind of getting exhausted. And then Elijah... He starts to taunt them a little bit. Hey, where's your God? Maybe he's busy. I think in the living translation it says maybe he's in the bathroom. But you know, it's kind of kind of like, you know, maybe he's on vacation. That's, you know, boy, keep trying. Keep at it, guys. You really uh, we're not seeing any results here, but give it your best shot. And they go all the way to the evening sacrifice and they're cutting themselves and and they're just exhausted from trying to call down the fire on the sacrifice, Elijah gets up, says this simple little 45-second prayer, Lord, I thank you that you hear me and that you're going to prove yourself to all Israel. Let the fire come. And the fire came down to consume. They had poured 12 large containers of water all over the sacrifice and still just burnt everything. And then the people kind of woke up at that point, said, we will serve God. And, uh, and then they had the showdown with the prophets of Baal. And they, they, uh, these 450 prophets of Baal were slain at, the, at that point. So Israel became a nonprofit organization. So, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, Groder. <laughs> so... We're going to talk about the road to burnout. We're going to, two roads we're going to take here this morning. The road to burnout and the road to recovery. So the road to burnout would be synonymous with, um, you know, depression or uh, just feeling exhausted. You know, there's, there's a lot of different stages. There, you know, there are true things such as clinical depression. And so there's... there's all the full gamut of this, but so I'm just going to kind of summarize all these things and the symptoms and the causes and then the effects, the consequences of this. So we'll, we'll work through this really fast and then we'll get to the solution. If you have your listening guide, I included all these points in your listening guide. These are just classic signs of burnout or, or depression. 
that sometimes we do experience. And um, so Elijah goes, he's running for his life. He goes under a, a broom tree, which is a juniper tree. It's just a bush. It's a prickly, ugly little bush. And, you know, and so that's where he finds his comfort, climbs under this prickly bush, and sets up a pity party. And nobody shows up for his pity party. And so he's there moping, saying, God, just take my life. And what a, what a drastic change from this man that has stood face to face with these prophets on Mount Carmel. Now he's fleeing for his life. And so what we see here happening in his life would be very typical of when we reach the point where we have had enough, where we are breaking, and there's some things that, that are symptoms of that. And so you can see that in your handout. First of all, the physical symptoms, fatigue, loss of energy, frequent headaches, lack of sleep, emotional symptoms, low morale, lack of enthusiasm, boredom, impatience, frustration, irritability, criticism, depression. Social symptoms would be disillusionment with people, withdraw from others, cynicism and skepticism, lack of communication and aloofness. And the spiritual symptoms would be feelings of emptiness, spiritual dullness, feeling unappreciated, unloved, even having a martyr's complex. Everybody's against me and, and there's just no hope. You're just, you're hopeless in, in that kind of frame of mind. There's, you, you just can't seem to see beyond the fog and you feel like you're just void of, of anything in your life. And so those things could be indicators that you're at a point where you need to pursue the road to recovery. The causes of that, you know, just physical exhaustion. I talked about we just are busy people. You know, how many have come back from vacation, feel like, I need a vacation? From, you know, you're just exhausted. And we're just, you know, we're just productive Americans. And we, you know, we play hard, we work hard, and we just keep going and going. And, and I, I hear about some of your lives, and I think, Jesus, help them. You know, just hearing about how busy Everyone is, and, and we're all in that same boat, you know, just running. And sometimes we're just plain exhausted. Sometimes there's impossible standards. It's very typical of work to where we've been given sometimes two or three roles, trying to, to balance that, manage that, and, and just trying to keep up with that. Sometimes could be more than we can take. Or meaningless work. We just feel like, you know, what is my life? What is, how does it add up? What is, how, how do I matter in this world? We get isolated sometimes, and we cut off people around us could cause this burnout or just extenuating circumstances that could come into our life. And it's just the last straw of a situation. The consequences, as we look at the story of Elijah, is we begin to depreciate our worth, saying, I, you know, I'm, I'm worthless, I'm no better than my ancestors who are dead, and, and uh, you know, that we become our own worst critic sometimes in these situations. We underrate our work. We see that in verse 14, where he said, I've, you know, I've been faithful. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets 
to death with the sword, and he was kind of taking ownership of that. And sometimes this is one of the, the critical flaws that can happen in ministry, is you feel like I'm responsible for everybody's choices. You know, I'm preaching as best I can. I'm doing everything I can. It seems like people just aren't getting it sometimes. And they, you know, they're just not flowing with what God has for them. And so we can begin to take that on us and say, nobody is, you know, coming to salvation. And, and I've been trying so hard. And we kind of beat ourselves up and take responsibility for how other people respond. It's interesting that people will rebel against God, but God's never insecure about that. He just said, here's the standard. Here's how you can find salvation. And you choose. And so you don't see a God who's insecure, but sometimes we take these things on personally. We exaggerate our worries. No, I'm the only one left, Elijah said. There's no one else serving the Lord. And they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord later says, there are at least 7,000 who haven't, bailed, haven't bowed to Baal. And, and you're just one of them. And there was that whole uh, repentance on Mount Carmel where there was a great move of God that actually happened. People responded to the Lord and exaggerated. Everybody, the whole world's out to get me. Well, it was one lady. And she was, she was you know, pretty fierce. But, but God had protected him up to that point, and why all of a sudden he tipped over with this threat? I think that's the sign that he was burned out. And then finally, he abandoned his dreams. I've had enough. I, I, I quit. It's kind of what he was saying. Take my life. Now, if Elijah really wanted to end his life, he could have ran toward Jezebel. <laughs> so you have to stop thinking, did he really want to end his life? Not really. I think what he was saying is my dream of, you know, being a successful prophet of God, seeing Israel repent, I give up. And I've had enough. I'm throwing in the towel on that dream. And that's sometimes can be uh, a very tough spot to be in. So the, here you, there you go. There's all the symptoms. And I just want to say, if there's anyone here this morning that's thinking, wow, I think I had a few of those things from that list happening in my life, that's sometimes the case. Uh, very seldom do you have all those things. But if, if you kind of picked up, hey, maybe there's a couple of those items that I need to think about, then here's the good news. So let's take the road to recovery. Let's, let's turn this in the right direction. So Elijah, he starts on this road to recovery. And let's start in verse 5. It starts with restoration. Restoration. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and he drank and then he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him and said, Get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. 
It's interesting, if an angel says, the journey is too much for you, you better pay attention. Yeah, better, you know, maybe this is bigger than what I can handle. So he got up, he ate, and he drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Horeb, they believe, is where the, the covenant, the, the commandments, Ten Commandments were given. Mount Sinai would be the synonymous name for that, Mount Sinai and Mount Horeb. And so Elijah thought, well, maybe if I head toward this spiritual place that God will speak to me. A couple of observations in that story that, that God granted to Elijah. First of all, he took a nap. You know, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is just take a good nap, you know. <laughs> that looks very relaxing, doesn't it? Just, just lay down. In fact, if, if you are tired, just lay down on the, on the floor. You know, I heard an interesting uh, stat the other day. If all the people who sleep in church would lay down uh, from, from head to foot, and you laid them all down, they would be much more comfortable. So, <laughs> so, so if you just feel like, you know, just, you need a nap. <laughs> Let's show the next one. I kind of captioned this. this. May even keep it from croaking too early. Oh, okay. Something good about a nap. Sometimes we just need some sleep. And, you know, the scriptures say that God grants his servants sweet sleep. And sometimes just to, to rest and rest in Christ and know that he's going to take care of these things. And I think that was part of the healing process that was starting. And then we see a little bit later where God allows Elijah to vent twice, very loudly. Lord, I, I've done all these things for you, and nobody's listening, and, and I've been faithful to you, and nothing's happening, and, uh, you know, and it just all is kind of spewing out of Elijah, and God lets him do that twice. And what I gleaned from that is there's sometimes, in addition to just some rest, part of restoration is just to unload, just to empty out to God. And, you know, he's not surprised by that, he knows our thoughts from afar. He, he, he knows those things are stirring inside of us. Just share it. I mean, be like David. Lord, this stinks. This, you know, this is not fair. This is a tough situation. Are you here for me, Lord? And just, just, just share that with the Lord and get it out. I think that's part of that restoring process. I love the passage, I almost preached on this passage um, in my early thinking was Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh, you know, it's just, the world is such a, just so frantic and go, go, go. And Jesus is saying, well, you just slow down. Just rest. Rest in him. 
something very amazing about that healing rest, trusting in him. You can still be very busy and active and going, but you can have that sense of peace and rest in the Lord. The second thing I see in this, not only restoration, but relationship. We're built for relationship. Let's read the passage, verse 9. Then he went into a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? If God asks what you're doing somewhere, you might want to pay attention. Um, huh, I thought I was following you, Lord. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he, re he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. That is an amazing wind. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake came a fire. You know, it kind of sounds like Southern California, you know, the, all the fires and earthquakes. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, here's the part I love. Gentle whisper. Gentle whisper. It starts with relationship with the Lord. That's what we're made for, to, to walk in that freshness and personal relationship. I stop and ask, what was the deal with the wind and the earthquake and the fire? You know, what was that all about? Because it said, you know, here's these mighty displays, but the Lord was not in that. And I think that God was just wanting to remind Elijah, hey, I'm in control. I am the God that, that created everything. I'm the God that has control of these things. And, and just a little bit of a visual reminder, oh yeah, God's still God. He's still able. Have you ever got to the point to where maybe you question you know, is God able to deliver? Is God able to heal? Is God able to do these things? And we kind of sometimes like, well, I hope he is. And sometimes we need that stark reminder, oh, yes, God is very much able. And, and so like Job, he, God had to remind his servant, hey, you know, I can take care of these things. I'm here for you. I can handle this. And it was good to just be reminded that uh, I don't have to be in control of the universe. I think that's what God was saying to Elijah. You don't have to be in control of everything. I am. You just trust me. How many of us have felt like I have to be in control of you know, the whole world? And you know, we, sometimes we can feel that way. But I love, my favorite part of this story is the gentle whisper. 
That's how God speaks to us today, isn't it? Not through the voice of God, per se. I mean, every blue moon, there's a situation where somebody has heard some kind of real voice, but for 99.9% of the time, this is, we hear his gentle whisper. How many of you have stood on a, on a starry evening and, and looked up at the stars and just said a relationship prayer to the Lord? You're just there, just humbled by his hand of creation, and you're saying, Lord, I'm your servant, and use me, and you're, you're just sharing your heart, and you've sensed God speaking to you, and it can happen in your morning devotions, on your way to work, in the shower, at work, you know, you just hear that, that soft voice of God speaking to you, and there's that wonderful relationship that happens on a daily basis. Perhaps you haven't really been walking in that relationship and you realize your Christianity is kind of dry. You're kind of like Elijah out in the desert, a dried up old twig, and, and it's just not fresh and alive. And you're at that point where you need to come back to that relationship with Christ. This gentle whisper. And not only do we need relationship with the Lord, we need others. We need others. We're not built to be lone rangers. We, we need each other. We depend on each other. I am so thankful for this church family. You have been here for us through our ups and downs, through the loss of our daughter, through, through my wife's cancer. You have been here and I'm so thankful for, for these friendships for, for you. I'm thankful for us that we have these connections. If you're a guest here today and you're looking for a good church, I don't think you need to look anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's no reflection on us as, as a staff, as pastoral staff. It's this church family is so supportive. And I say thank you. And you love on those who are the least of these over and over. Well done. And we need each other. And so, so that's not my sermon today, but just that reminder. Groups will be starting. <laughs> Coming up, take a little, we're taking a little break uh, for summer. Get refreshed, take a nap, and then be ready to jump in in the fall. So not only do we have that restoration and relationship, but the third and final ingredient is reassignment. That's what God had for Elijah. He said, I'm not done with you yet. When Elijah heard it, he heard that still small voice. He pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> and repeat, and uh, we see exactly, Elijah goes into the same, the same kind of spiel here, he said, uh, he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty, 
It's like, who did he think he's talking to? The Israelites have rejected your covenants, broken down your altars, put your prophets to death, the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. So deja vu all over again. Same, you know, he's still, it's like he had to just get that out one more time. You know, just, just let me say it one more time. Lord, doesn't seem fair. And then what did the Lord say? Go back the way you came. Go back the way you came. There's sometimes there's some sound wisdom and just kind of retracing your steps, saying, wait a minute, how did I get into this kind of dryness and deadness here? Where did I, where, what am I missing? What did I, what did I do to get to this point? Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram, and anoint Jehu, son of Nishmi, king over Israel, and anoint Elijah, son of uh, Shaphat, and from Abel, Mahola, to succeed you as prophet. In other words, you still have work. You still have value. I'm not done with you yet. Yeah, you still, you still have a lot to do. You know, it's interesting when we are having those times that we're just focused on ourselves. Uh, it, it's very difficult uh, to just see the needs of others. You know, it's just, it's, it's me and it's poor me. And we can really get into that pity party frame of mind. It's interesting. Uh, they did a spec study, you know, where you can, you can see how a brain is lighting up in the different regions of the brain. And Andrew Newberg did this study at the University of Pittsburgh. And he was curious about when people pray, what happens to the human brain? And so he, he you know, did all the, the scientific setup and had people come in and had a group that didn't pray, a group that prayed, and, and began to observe their, their brain patterns during the times they're praying. And he also included people who meditate. And, but it was particularly interesting, the people who prayed, what they found is the front of the brain, the prefrontal cortex, would light up in a person who was in prayer. And that's the part of the brain that is empathetic, that feels the emotions of others around you, and, and you just are thinking of others when that part of your brain. So right now, everybody think in the front of your brain. Okay, and uh, you know, it happens when we pray. And so in this study, as opposed to the area where there's that parental lobe area, the superior area of the brain, back in this area where you think of yourself and you're aware of yourself, and the people who weren't praying were lit up in the area of the brain that is often thinking of self. It's all about me and, and my needs, and what about me, and you're kind of having, uh, kind of looking at yourself quite a bit. And what that tells me is that when we are in prayer, you're thinking of others. I mean, scientifically, they showed that in the SPECT study, the brain waves were lit up as we, in that sense of prayer, thinking of others. And what happened through this research, they found that uh, there's a greater uh, flow in that part of the brain. We become channels uh, 
notice that through prayer, we are shown to have lower risk of depression, heart disease, and improved immune function because of using that part of your brain and more activity and it released the right chemicals into your body. It's healthy. In other words, the bottom line, it's healthy to pray. That, I mean, it just kind of went through a whole explanation. You're like, Pastor Steve, we already knew that. Okay? <laughs> but but it, it's interesting just to see and hear about you know, the research from science that is confirming that there's something about thinking of others that is healthy for us. And, you know, if you're having that, that moment where you just feel like, my life is terrible, stop and start to look around and find somebody who is having a more difficult time than you and, and go minister and go love on that person. What happens is that all of a sudden you begin to realize my little worries aren't so, so tough. And you begin to be restored from those things of looking in and looking hopeless. What God wants is us to be rivers of fresh blessing to this world that definitely needs healing. God is saying there's still work to be done. I don't care our age. I don't care our situation. There's still prayers. There's still people around us we can love until the day Jesus takes us home. We still have a job. There's an enormous hope when God says, go, go minister, go share. And sometimes the, the framework of those things change, like it was for Elijah, but he still had work to do. My favorite story is in the restoring of Peter. God gave Peter this restoring, when he had failed Jesus miserably, denied Jesus three times, and, and Jesus restored him. Peter, go feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Go. Go work. Keep going. He has a restorative work for us, reassignment in our lives. I love the passage. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord and, and the Lord is saying, keep pressing in, keep alive, keep spiritually fed, keep giving out, be a fresh blessing to others. If you just bottle it up, pretty soon it's going to get stale. God is saying, keep that spiritual fervor fresh and alive. As we conclude this passage, there's just a couple of observations that I wanted to make. First of all, Elijah was a man of God. And he was going through a difficult time. That tells me that sometimes we can be right on, on the money with what God is asking us to do, but you're going through a stretching time, and it's not because of some kind of hidden sin in your life. It's, it's not some failure. You're just hitting, uh, you're hitting a trial. Don't be surprised, the Bible says, when various trials come upon us. And so I'm a person of God still walking through trials. And sometimes we say, well, if you're going through a trial, it must, must be something wrong in your life. And that's not necessarily the case. In fact, most often it's not the case. 
that there's something wrong in our life, just make it right. And that's the second observation I see in this story is God's amazing grace. Although Elijah was having a pity party and focused on himself and complaining and wanting to die, going through this, how did God restore him? The amazing grace. God didn't chastise him. He didn't discipline him. He just let Elijah vent. Said, now, Elijah, okay, get it all out. <laughs> One more time, Elijah. Now, Elijah, I have a job for you. What an amazing picture of God's grace. That gives me so much hope. Yeah, I think it'd be good. Let's look at the application. Have you ever reached your tipping point and echoed the words of Elijah, I've had enough? I think we all have. Have you ever given up on a God-given dream? What are some ways that you can take better care of yourself? You know, maybe it's we're just needing to go see a doctor. Maybe we need to go see a professional counselor. Maybe, you know, I, I'm so thankful we have professionals who have, are trained and and I can use those resources and partner together in this area. Next set of questions. Are there areas of your life you need to let go of and let God be in control? That's a big one. And then where's God currently sending you to love on those who need you? There are people who need you. Where's God sending you? And then the final question is, are you going? Are you going? Are you going? Let's pray. Lord, there certainly have been more than one occasion in my life where I felt like Elijah, I felt like giving up, I felt like throwing it in. You say, Lord, I can't do this. I can't do this. And Lord, your grace is always there. And Lord, I'm so thankful that you have picked me up out of my miserable times. Sometimes self-inflicted, other times not, but you've always been there. And your grace is always sufficient. Your strength is you are mighty enough, to, Lord, to answer those things in my life, perhaps not in my time, but just to know that, that you are going to restore, that you're going to build relationship, and you're going to reassign me, Lord. Anytime I've hit that wall, you have communicated to me that you're not done, that I'm not going to sit in that trial, but Lord, there's a journey, there's a mission ahead. Thank you for that healing. Thank you for that healing, Lord. It's always so amazing. You're always so good. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. This morning, our closure will be uh, shorter because of the communion at the beginning.
of the gathering. But don't be in any big hurry to, uh, you know, to leave. Just stay and make this your prayer, Lord. I want to hear your whisper. I want to hear your small, still voice. And make sure that you make that connection with the Lord. I want to make sure I'm not just running, 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 but slow down. And make that, as we sing a final song of worship, make that your mission today. Say, Lord, I want to be still and know that you are God. I want to be in your presence and receive your healing. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's worship the Lord.